You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach, and the actor Richard Kind, who you've only seen in everything, is in the studio. We are chomping at the bit of things that we want to talk about. Richard, I saw you all over Christmas vacation. I saw you in Bombshell mm-hmm. playing Rudy Giuliani, which we must talk about. Okay. I saw you in John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Bunch. Yeah. My God. I'm the luckiest guy around. We'll be back with more from Richard Kind in a moment. You never stop working. You turn down jobs. Oh, oh, my God. And then I saw you in the other two. Oh, I love the other two. What a wonderful series. It's wonderful. I hope that I come back to that because, you know, I did the series and then in the last episode I get fired and I have no idea whether I come back. You got to understand, I'm I'm a dancing monkey on a string. <laughs> and they tell me where to go, and then I just do what I do, and and I hope that it intersects with what they want. But you're probably in four series concurrently these days. No, I'm in no series. No, wait. There's Mad About You I reboot? Uh, okay, yes. Okay, and was I a regular in that? They did 12. I did six of them. Ish, regular-ish. Regular-ish, okay. Okay. You're you're in the other two. Let's assume that you'll be a character in the next... It's been a year, year and a half since we shot it, okay. You've been in Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I am in three episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm coming back. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm very lucky with that. So, you know, Dianu. It's true. Uh, Let me tell you something. When you... uh, People think that you make a lot of money from residuals... You don't, okay? You make money from residuals if you have a piece of the show. If you are a working actor like myself, look, I go down to the mailbox, there's money, wonderful. But, you know, what? in essence, what does it all pay for? It has gone as low as a penny. I have gotten residuals for a penny. So there are sliding scales, and you don't get that much. But I am... I call myself the Costco of acting. <laughs> I come in bulk and I come cheap. Okay, so so while I guest on a show, it is not a lo- not enough to sustain me for with a life in New York and three children who go to private school and with the advent of college. I am a working actor, and although I'm talking economics right now, as far as my soul and my work and my being satisfied with what I do. There is nobody happier. I'm telling you, nobody is happier with what they've been able to do. I get to meet people. I get to be on different sets. I get challenged by doing different roles, uh, different genres. I am the luckiest man in this business, bar none. Bar none, I'm the luckiest guy. And money, you know. No, you know what? (laughs) Money, Money affects sleep. Yes. Because children affect sleep, therefore yes. money affects sleep. And yeah, you, but we know you, once worrying. you have kids, you never sleep again. Really. It's, not that. It's the truth. And it's not the baby's waking you up. No, it's not no, the baby's waking up. it's the daddy, up. I'm not happy. Uh, honey, right. everything will be all right. You go to sleep and you go, oh, things may not be all right. <laughs> uh, there's only one thing worse than getting a phone call from your gynecologist, and that's getting one from your school. 
kids' school. Oh, gosh, that's funny. It's that's true. a very bad it, phone it's call. It's true, yes. It's never, and, and oh, it, thank you for letting us educate Lacey today. <laughs> It's not that. <laughs> I know. And and the name comes up on the on your phone when they're calling and you go, I mean that pressing that button is oh god I mean now that my Every- mother and father are dead, <laughs> yeah. this is the worst thing that right, I can press the exactly. button. Exactly. You see that you see their number on caller ID and you think is this the moment that my life changed for the worse? Oh God! Oh, you yes. know, yes, right? Yes, yes. Poo, poo, poo. Yeah. Okay. So, Richard, the money is an issue when you're the head of a household and you're supporting three sure. kids in mm-hmm. a very expensive city, and education is very expensive. Right. But that notwithstanding, the absolute ability to be a grown-up man who is still playing is still working well, no still constant, playing play, still playing still going to the playground a lot a lot a lot I a am, lot I, I, I am I like I said lucky and I love it and the things that you don't see that's hilarious too yes and sometimes you have the wherewithal to work for no money because the project is interesting that's or correct. it will stretch you in a way or it'll take you to a place you've always wanted to go or I just want to work. Or you just want to work. I just want to fulfill what I, rather than sit at home, I will do the occasional reading. Occasional. I do a lot of readings. Uh, And Monday night, I hosted uh, a cabaret at 54 Below of an evening of Mel Brooks songs. How great. It was great. It was superior. It turns out that you very deliberately decided to raise your family in New York. Now, this is an interesting thing to me because there is so much pressure in your business to be in L.A. where you can be seen at the market, at the Brentwood Country Mart, at the Gelson's, at wherever. And how was it that you were able to, or why did you want to move east? Honestly, this is a, a better place to live. Let's let's go number one. There's a better place to survive, to have to be enriched. I I always say anybody who lives life for weather is an idiot. Uh, you know, go, go to where your soul is is uh, fl- flourishes. Uh, so I wanted that for my kids. I wanted to be in the t- same time zone as their grandparents at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an important thing. One other silly thing is, and we'll get to this later because I made the list, but I I became addicted to golf and uh, and addicted to the golf club that I belong to, and there's nothing you can do uh, except stop. It's like a video game. You know, mm-hmm. the only way to put to, you know, your phone, the only way to do it is put it down. Just don't take it with you. Right. And, Step away. And it's too difficult. It was too difficult at the time, and if I have a day where I'm doing nothing... One way that I can take up three, four, five hours of a very boring actor's life when you're not working is go play golf. And then I would play golf, and 18 holes turned into 27. And then I came in for a glass of wine, and I have no tolerance for liquor, especially red wine. And I would start to fall asleep. And then I'd go home, I'd see my kids, and I'd be with my kids, and I would fall asleep. Not that I don't do that anyway now, but... uh, uh, it, it's uh, at the risk of I would turn down auditions because I had a golf game had planned or, you know, got home later than I wanted to for the kids. So and New York is better. And if you want to go play golf, 
You got to want to play golf because you got to get in your car and you got to drive and then you got to battle traffic back into the city when you come home. So you got to want to play golf. It's it's not just there in your backyard like it and is you in have LA. to plan. You can't just you plan, right? You you can't just go right. Exactly. Um, but Richard, for for the purposes of being an actor, did it in any way? Affect my career? Affect your career? Huge, 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 huge. you got to so be you in LA. So you took some hits, you think? Yes, absolutely. So you would have been in even more movies and TV shows and so on if you were out there. I mean, it seems... Yeah. However, and I, I mean this, you're going to... I, I really mean this. The less you get paid, the better the project. Mm. And it's really... It's true 70% of the time with me. However, I'm really lucky that because of the way I look, I'm, I, I, people aren't, people aren't going to run and want to want to look at me. I'm not going to sell a movie. <laughs> so uh, what I do is I, I may enhance a movie and, and people have to be smart enough to know that, that my looks are not going to sell the movie. They want my talent and therefore I get hired by smart people who don't want to take the easy way out. So they, they use me. So I've been working with the Cohn brothers. I w- got to work with Clint Eastwood, and I get to work with uh, uh, just uh, Pixar and uh, j- just a lot of people. Arthur Penn. I- I've just been very lucky. Arthur Penn. Yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but uh, You were in Argo. And I was in Argo. I was that Argo. was a fantastic movie. A fanta- I mean- and a fantastic little scene. Oh yeah. I love that scene. Oh. I was very proud to be in that and I was proud to watch it. And proud to <laughs> and proud to be with Alan Arkin. Yeah. I I worked with Alan and he is the funniest and the smartest. Okay, you know what he said about LA? He goes, uh, if you're not working, there is no place worse than LA. But if you're working, there is no place worse than L.A. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be unemployed in L.A., what was it? Mark Marin, the comedian, sure. said, the smog is not really smog. It's little tiny bits of people's disappointments. <laughs> and how, it feels... How poetically. Uh, and, and the imagery. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I mean, it does feel like everybody knows you're not working and everyone else is working. By the way, I thought, first let me just say, The Other Two is a great concept for a series. It's about the two loser older siblings of a young pop phenom. Yes. You play the theatrical agent Mm -hmm. of one of them. And, of course, the the older brother and sister are hilarious and bitter. Great. great. And not that bitter, but bitter. Oh, bitter. And they've made a mess of their lives. Oh, bitter. And Molly Shannon plays the mom. Brilliantly. Yes. Ken Marino plays uh, the kids. The kids agent who, he's brilliant. And then in Bombshell. Oh, yeah. Which is, it's still a living, breathing, uh, uh, giant movie. Well, it should be seen by every man in this country. Right. That's one thing, but it won't. But it's really a terrific film. It is. The thing is, and I think it's really cute, and I'm really honored. I'm in two very small scenes of a wonderful movie. I showed up, I put makeup on, and attached a very famous name. I'm not that great in it, but I'm Giuliani. 
and I and I and I am I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. You're I really good. Am. But I'm lucky to ride the coattails of a great movie, of a great director, and a great writer. By the way, but I, I you're talking to me like I should know. That's like people came up to me and asked me about a serious man and what does it mean, and I'm going. The fuck! I don't know what it means. It means you're you're smarter than I am. You interpret it. I don't just because I was there yeah. doesn't mean I know any better. You talk about the other two. It's years ago, and oh yeah, and, and, and maybe years ago, and and uh, maybe they did ten episodes. I think I might have been in six of those, but small little scenes. I don't know about the other two. Right. You you watched it. You binged it. You saw it. You know more about it than I do, and yeah. yet you bring it up. Like I am the, you know, the, I'm the, I'm the, the, the boss of it. Well, the, you know, that, that, that I, that I know a lot more about it than I do. You know more about it. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that yes. it was quite the surprise to see you as Rudy Giuliani for so many reasons. Go ahead. Number one, my view of Rudy Giuliani between the time of, of the 9/11. Roger Ailes, uh, oh, yeah. the Roger Ailes fallout to now. Even forget nine eleven. Right, right. When he right. was America's. Oh mayor. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's, my my perception of him has changed a lot. Yes. I think he has changed in some. Uh, somebody said it might have been he. Yeah, it might be chemo. There might have been medical processes that have have changed cells within his brain. I don't know. Uh, certainly, his ego has always been that large. Right, but he seems lunatic now. He's a lunatic. Yeah. Right, but so it was exciting to see you playing a lunatic it, it is and different that, look and it's a different lunatic from than, from today's kate, from, from from kate mckinnon's who i right. certainly looked at and i said well i just can't do that right i simply can't do that then i saw john lithgow do it later on while right. he was hawking the movie very different from what i did and you see something that i learned at second city and this was elucidated by I think it was Alan Arkin on Bob Costas's show. What do you learn at Second City? Something that I learned was, why am I there? Why am I in the scene? Am I in the scene because things are happening to me? Am I in the scene because I'm going to help information come along about the major character? Uh, am I there just to uh, to to give it um, some texture? What what am I there for? And Giuliani was there because well he was there for Roger Ailes but but in those scenes am I a lunatic am I filled with ego like like he was in one scene I am I'm going why can't we have the case give it to me give it to us we could do it that's what Giuliani is all about in the other scene where we're talking to Ailes and Susan Estrich is there and Mrs. Ailes is there mm-hmm. I just sit there and I'm not the Giuliani that we all know so what is my job in the scene. How can I help Jay Roach make this a better movie? And you're talking to an actor with an enormous ego. Enormous. Huge. I want to shine and star in everything. And I sometimes walk on a movie set or a TV set and say, I'm not going to win the Academy Award, so let's do a good job. Mm. And that was what my job was. Let's do a good job and help the scene. Did you learn more about acting at Second City than you did at Northwestern? Well, I wasn't a theater major at Northwestern. Well, then I guess the answer would be well, yes. Well, yeah, but, but, but I learned, I, I, I took classes, and of course I took classes after. It's like a golf swing. 
you can know that you have to stay over the ball. You can know that you can't sway, but you better hit the ball and then you'll know what it's all about. I was on stage at Second City uh, six nights a week, eight shows a week from nine until 1230 in front of an audience that's telling you this is what we like about you. This is what you can do. Because the feedback, I should explain to anyone who doesn't know, it's improv. It's it's improv, but but it's also an hour and a half sketch show that is the same every single night. So uh, although it's not an arc of, uh, of one play, it's various different scenes and you know what what you can do and it's like doing a play even though you're not as invested maybe but you are you're invested in it uh and and doing it and doing it and doing it makes you confident lets you know how to stand uh what your relationship is with an audience of course you're nervous every night before you go out but you're not terrified it's it's not uh, paralyzing and yes i did you being on stage every night at Second City made me a better actor. Then I went and did sitcoms and got to be a worse actor. Uh, I, I can't. I, it's tough for me to do sitcoms anymore. The four camera. Do you know it's been ten years since I did sitcoms? Wow. And then I went and did Mad, in front of a live audience. Right. And I did Mad About You, and I was huge. I was huge again. I was reverting back to what I used to do, and so I brought it down a little. And Paul said, "You know what? What? What?" He literally said, "What? What's going on with you?" I go, "I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I've, I'm, I can't be an idiot anymore." And uh, then I went and did a show that's not on yet. It's wonderful, called Indebted. It's with uh, Fran Drescher and Stephen Weber and Adam Pally and uh, uh, Abby Elliott. And mm. uh, she's wonderful, wonderful actresses and um, uh, actors. And uh, I was even bigger there. But I played Fran Drescher's brother, so I had license to do it. Right. Uh, but it's not a form I like anymore. I like single camera. I like talking. Even though we're talking here and we're intimate uh, because we're we're so close to each other, I'm still a loud person. That's bad for camera. Uh, and well, one thing I I wrote a pilot that was was produced once, mm-hmm. and I understand now so much better that when you're being directed in a scene in front of four cameras, the direction has so much more to do with camera angle than the acting. In many cases, right, it depends you, on the okay, director. I will. Be honest with you. Yes. Directing a sitcom for camera is all about angles. The It is hiring the right actor, and there's a couple of things. Number one, a director is more of a traffic cop. Mm-hmm. He is more of a liaison between the actor and the writer-producer who has all the power. The third thing is, especially as you get into series, what if you say something to an actor that they that is the right thing to say, may help shape them, but the actor isn't well-versed enough in what a director does and may be insulted by such direction and go, well, who the fuck are you to tell me what to do? That director's out of a job because wow. the actor goes to the producer. Right. I, I, I can't I, work with I him. I can't work with him. So they they walk softly. You know, it's eggshells sort of. Right. And, uh, so when you say you, what, you what, were too big... Or or uh, yeah. sitcom sort of eggs you to play for the audience, get a yes. big laugh, you know. Absolutely, uh, I, I, it's what it's what they're there for, right? But okay, I'll tell you a story. But I've told this before. The two great great talents 
that I've worked with in front of a camera and who know this business and and are such good actors and know what they have to do and who they are are Michael J. Fox and Carol Burnett. I did series with both of them. Mm -hmm. Carol would play to the audience, to the back of the house, and at the camera at the same time. Wow. She could do that, that the camera happened to catch her, and she's so likable and not... not, um, grating that she could play large and still get caught on camera. That's how wonderful she is and why her essence is so great. Michael J. Fox only plays to the camera, but he needs the audience to give him his rhythm. To, to to propel him to know to know how to rev it up or to bring it down. So he manipulates the audience, but he doesn't play with it. The audience gives him stuff, but he plays small, right to the camera. I'll tell you, Spin City. How many years did you? We did four with Michael, two with Charlie. So he was so exceptional in the fact that everything he did was appealing, even when he was supposed to not be appealing. He's crazy. He's crazy. And you know who he was, by the way? He was Phil Silvers and Sergeant Bilko. Oh. In my opinion. Oh, interesting. However, he's so handsome and so not Jewish and not Borscht Belt right. that he was, that you you loved him. And he's small. Yeah. He's small. You want to cuddle him. It's, it's, it's magnificent. But you listen to his rhythms. He's Jew, 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 Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's great. He's great. Who is there anyone that you haven't worked with that you're dying to work with? When I was a kid, I would lie in bed. Most kids would want to be, you know, play center field for the Yankees or, or you know, um, be a rock star, be mm-hmm. Mick Jagger. My my was uh, I want to be in an original Sondheim Prince musical. <laughs> I yeah. want to be in a Woody Allen movie, uh-huh. and I want to be in a Stanley Kubrick movie. And up until the summer, I said. I think I have a better chance of being in a Stanley Kubrick movie because <laughs> Woody Allen just never hired me. Yeah, yeah. And then now it, it did. But I did I did an original Sondheim I know. Prince musical. Yeah, that was great. Great. Incredible. Ne- and never came to Broadway. Right. Well, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But I got to do it. And there's yeah. a cast album. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, like I said, I'm a lucky guy. Richard, mm-hmm. this has been uh, a delightful conversation. Your five things, you have thought about it, uh-huh. five things that make your life better. Number one. You want to say it? No, I want you to say oh, okay. it. Okay, I know what it is. Okay. My kids. Yes. It comes with a caveat. Yes. It also makes my life much worse. But it does make it better. Uh, uh, you have, well, three, well, you well, have three science experiments. Yes. Uh, one is 17, going to be 18 in February. And then two that were just turned fifteen in November, they. Um, I, I always say this, and I tell them, when they were young, I loved them. I loved them. I, you know, unabashedly, I loved them. As they have gotten older, I like them so much more. I've always loved them, but I really like them. They're really good people. Thanks to their mother, they are kind. They are. Uh, nice to other people, so they're they're charming and funny. My son, hilarious, but all my kids, very funny. Um, I think that my my thought about why actors say they love their kids, they love the, how it's changed their life and everything. It grounds them. It, it's it's 
it it certainly grounds them. That that's true. Teaches them new perspective, and the actors with uh, curiosity will like to see. Oh my gosh, I never realized that, that how they see the world, and isn't that funny? But actors go to the set, and they're oh, Mr. Kind, some water, uh, Mr. K. Let me get that door. Oh, you're you're indulged as a, a as, childlike. Uh, yes, we, we are catered to. Right, and the the line it is better to give than to receive. I don't totally believe it, but there is some value in giving and having that be there and need somebody that you can give to that enhances a person's life and they can give to their child. Not only can they give, they have to. There's not they are they're they're lost in the world. They they have to they'll go put their hand on fire. They have to give to these kids and give their time. Of course, they go, oh, do I have to do this? And then they get the nanny. But nonetheless, they still do get to give. And that's a wonderful thing, and it's different than uh, than their daily life. They get fawned over. They get told they're wonderful. They get plenty of money and, and stuff like that. So when you hear them on talk shows, I go, that's the reason why is because it's new for you. Well, and then the other thing about kids is that I guess, as you say, the helplessness, Mm -hmm. you just, you just, I cave, you know, my kids are, my kids are in their 20s, and Mm -hmm. I still drop everything if one of them calls me. Oh, yes. It's, now it's like a celebrity's on the phone. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, number two, Rich. What did I say? Love of your career. I, uh, yes. I, uh, love of my career and love... I shouldn't say that. That's wrong. I, I said it incorrectly. Love of my vocation. Okay. Uh, I love, love, love what I do. I can't live without it. And I know some people probably start at age 24 uh, on Wall Street and love making money. And by the time they're 42... They just wish they weren't going to work anymore. Right. And there are people who are very successful uh, who are going to work and making money and live in larger houses than I do with nicer cars and belong to many golf clubs and go on vacations. I just love what I do. Well, I'll tell you an interesting story, I think. I I was lucky enough to play Bing Bong in a movie called Inside Out. He was the mm. um, the elephant that the, was her best friend, mm-hmm. her imaginary friend. And when he, uh, spoiler alert, when he dies, uh, and everybody cries, everybody cries at it. But I remember when I first did it, and I kept asking for another take. Kept asking. I would stand by the TV, by, by the monitor, and I would do it, and I would be crying, or this, and I would try it all different ways. Because there was a purity to my feelings. I really felt everything. However, I'm not Bing Bong. I'm Richard Kind playing Bing Bong. And this is the closest I was going to get to being Bing Bong. Mm, Number three. Number three would be golf. I I really love the game. I love studying it. I love going to the range almost as much as I like playing the game. Uh, do you like watching professional? I do. I do like watching it. Uh-huh. Um, but I really it, it, and it will keep me active because I still walk the course. I don't like to ride, mm-hmm. and I hope the day doesn't. You know, there are certain days where you have to walk because either the t- course is too tough to walk or your 
feeling ill or you've just, you know, you had your hip replaced or whatever it was that made so me have, have to, to walk. So you have to take it. the cart. You yeah. have to take the cart. But right now I still walk and I know that I will remain young-ish as long as I still walk. And I actually like to carry my bag. So there's there's that. There's the so, purity of that. Th- yes. Now, is part of your love of golf the social aspects of part it? Part of it, yep. Do you have certain people you like to play with all the time? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I belong to a club in L.A. I live in New York, but I belong to the club in, in uh, L.A. because I like the club so much. But And I you, you, you will never... It's something else you will never be perfect because, of course, perfect is at 18. Right. Even perfect isn't par. Perfect right. is 18. Right. And you try and get as low as you can. And it's a difficult sport for me and the older I get. And I'm not, I'm not very flexible and there's so many things, but I do love hitting the ball. And when you hit the ball perfectly feels great. Do you play? You ve- no, I don't. But you get very good feedback right away, right? The sound. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the, and oh, the, the, the whole feel the of it. The thrust and the, yeah. Yeah. And, and I am of the of the thought that I, would I like to score well? Yes. But what I'd rather do is play well. If a course beats me up, I don't mind. If I do not play well and I beat up myself, that's horrible. And that is really debilitating to my mood and will affect other things when I leave the club. So, But I really do love playing golf, and it keeps me active, even though it doesn't... It's Everybody thinks, oh, well, you walk the course, you're going to lose weight, and you, you don't. <laughs> but but it does... It, it keeps me in line that I can walk the course and keep doing That's and a keep big doing deal. Yeah, yeah, and turning and stuff like that. And it's hours. Yep. And, yep. yeah, and also, I have a bad back, the the swinging and the and all that, not everybody can do that. Can't do it, and it can bring on problems. But uh, but it but but I also say joy. if yeah. if you get a blister, if your back hurts, if your elbow hurts, you're swinging the club incorrectly. So then you should change, so that you do swing better. Okay. Okay, that's that's very clear, and okay. I like it because no one else has has talked about a sport. They talk about their coffee and they talk about their dog. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Number four, you said, were your friends? Totally, absolutely. Uh, my my friends really make my life. I, I you know, I'm really lucky. There there are some people who have a, a group of friends that they all. Uh, are so close to. I actually have three groups of friends that I am close to. Uh, uh, one are a group of guys who I play poker with, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, I'm not going to mention their names because a lot of them are famous. I have another group that I'm, uh, I, I dare not talk about him because I get asked about him all the time. But I'm th- not. I'm not going there. Yes, don't don't go there. But it has been written about, and the center, the maypole of this particular group is George Clooney, and he is one of the great people of the world, truly one of the greatest. And he keeps us together because he needs us, and we need each other. And then you have a third group. And the third group. This is a wild one, and I will talk about this. I have a friend who raised in Chicago, and I started playing golf with him when I was in my 20s. 
it, it was three guys who went to college, who went to high school together in Chicago, in in actually in Skokie or in Evanston, and uh, that group of friends remained friends. And, so and, so, you know, but but. But you're a guy who values your guy friends. I, and I do. But I, it, I it's not always easy for men to hold on to them because their wives or, or girlfriends make the dinner plans and make the social plans. And it's usually based on, you know, couples and not. It is. But much to my wife's dismay. I am so close with my friends sometimes that I choose my friends, you know, over uh, over other things. Or we'll go out with with friends and stuff like that. Now I'm not with my wife any longer, but um, I cherish those friends because I can talk to them and they can talk to me. They, you know what? Honestly, they keep me grounded. I do get that. Uh, number five. Um, I have. A modicum of fame and a drive for ambition, a, a drive of ambition, I don't know what the word is, to keep working. And my fame gets me better roles, gets me work, and I'm ambitious, and uh, I, I get offered things a lot. And that makes me really happy. That makes my life so much easier. Uh, I will tell you this. I love going in and auditioning. You do? I love it. And I'll tell you why, is because I get to care about something. I get to get nervous. I get challenged, even if I know I'm not right for the part. And believe me, I have gone in uh, on roles that I am not right for and auditioned and sometimes get it and will turn it down because hmm. I'm not right for it. Interesting. Uh, but I love auditioning because you get to be a repertory company. Look what I get challenged with. And an artist can sit alone and paint. A writer is an artist who sits alone and creates. But an actor can't do it in front of a mirror. You think you can, you go do You cannot. You can't do it. You have to have an audience. And I don't care if that audience is an intern who turns on a video camera and tapes you. Uh, it's an audience. It's an audience. You need it's somebody feedback. else. Yeah. You, you just need somebody else to entertain. And I love I love to entertain. I really do. I love to entertain. And entertain doesn't always mean make somebody happy, as in uncut gems. Uh, entertain means you pay attention and your, your life is changed or altered because you're watching me. But go back to the first thought, which is the modicum of fame, the mm -hmm. fact that you are not the George Clooney famous. That is correct. Which would be a disruptor. It, it And it is. And my kids don't like it when people stop me on the street. But even more, if I'm rude to that person, they they are incensed. They get angry. They, they, it's, it's disgusting. How dare they interrupt you and how dare you not be nice back. Right. I mean, my, 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 my daughter goes, what if that was Justin Timberlake and I went up to Justin Timberlake and he brushed me aside? How would I like that? I wouldn't like that. So, here, so I mean, they get incensed if I'm not nice to somebody. They, they, they are angrier if I'm not nice than, than they are about being uh, disrupted. They, they now just live with it. But it doesn't happen that much. And it doesn't... Here's what I say about somebody like Brad Pitt or, or George's, is they're so famous that if you go up and you, you touch them or you talk to them, they'll rub off. <laughs> With me, 
Uh, no, no, no. I don't need to touch you. You, you <laughs> stay, stay at arm's length. Don't, don't, don't rub off. But, but, but they, they want to tell you that they've seen you, or the, you know, the, the I like your work is always nice. Um, I hate what have you been on. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't stand How that. do I know you? How do I know you? Do you owe me money? Did we go right. to high school? Am I related? Right. Um, you want to hear the funniest one? Yeah. I'm walking down the street, and I remember I was with Brian Darcy James, and some guy comes up, and he goes, Oh, oh, you're, um, oh, God. I Didn't you used to run the porn stand on 34th Street? Oh, how funny. Isn't that hilarious? That is great. I know. I know. That is great. Now, do people know your name enough so that More. when you yeah, want to yeah. make a reservation somewhere? Okay. If you want to know what fame can bring, and sometimes I wish I were more famous, the three times that I wish I were more famous is when I want to be bumped up to business class. Yes. Uh, when I want a reservation or get through the door or something like that. Right. And when I want a better part. When when the when the part went to somebody who's more famous than I am. I got damn it! Why I could have done this? This is yeah. good for me. Yeah, I, I I wish I were more famous. Uh, so there's there's that. Uh, otherwise, uh, if, you know you know what I say is is um, you walk into a bank, and the guy the president of the bank comes up. Oh my God! I love you. I love you. Well, that guy has something in his safe <laughs> that I really want, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get it, but I am going to get a free pen. Fame buys you a free pen. Well, Richard Kind, this is your life. Thank you for being on the yeah. show. It was fantastic. I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay, here are my five things. Number one, happy returns. No, it's not a birthday wish or a sexy TV show. It's an actual new company that takes returns to online retailers. Look it up. They have a website. I'm putting their website on my website, lisabernbach.com. And you'll see, you can just take your Everlane t-shirts to a nearby pharmacy, like a Dwayne Reed or something, and you get your refund on the spot. You don't have to go to the post office. And anything that saves you that is worth it in my book. Number two, the director, Paul Mazursky. Now, he died in 2014, and his feature movie directing career ended pretty much in 1996. But his films from the 60s through the 90s were so rich and exciting and familiar about the times and the people, whether it's Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice about sexual freedom in 1969 or an unmarried woman about a woman getting her self-esteem back after a divorce or down and out in Beverly Hills. Anyway, I really love them and they stand up when you want a nostalgic romance. And I bring it up because there is a delightful new musical adaptation of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice off-Broadway. That's my number three. The play is written by Jonathan Mark Sherman. The score is composed by Duncan Sheik and ingeniously, in addition to the principals, Bob Carroll, Ted and Alice, Suzanne Vega, the singer-songwriter, leads the band and plays all the other parts, too. And, you know, wide-legged, striped bell-bottoms. That's all I can say. You cannot beat them. Number four, an online store I just discovered called Olivella in which you can buy your, if you're a woman, you can buy luxury goods and beauty products and stuff for the same price you would buy them anywhere. But 20% of the price is donated by the store 
to charity. It started when the owner met Malala. And each thing you buy there tells you how many days of school it pays for. A lipstick might be three days of school for a young girl in Africa. A pair of trousers may be 12 days of school, but they give 20% of every sale to charity. So you're doing good while you're shopping for yourself selfishly. And number five, my lemon zester. All these years, I've been scraping the skin off my lemons with a cheese grater. What was I thinking? You've been listening to Five Things That Make Life Better with me, Lisa Birnbach. My guest this week has been actor, character actor, singer, performer, reader, auditioner, father, poker player, friend, and confidant, Richard Kind. You can follow him on Twitter or Instagram at Real Richard Kind. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and iHeartRadio, or wherever else you might find a podcast, maybe under a rock. My blog is at lisabernbach.com, where you'll find links and photos to all the things in this program. This podcast is produced in New York City by thefieldtv.com. My engineer is Jimmy Regan, assisted by Kevin Watkins. My team is Spresso Rucci, Michael Port, Boko Haft, and Sam Haft. Until next week, be cool and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers. <laughs>